Hi, and welcome to the Still Telling It Like It Is program. I'm Apostle Baker, Jay Baker, who is a doctor in psychology. And Wednesday is one of my favorite days. I get the opportunity to spend time with a real friend, someone I love, I respect, and I like. Uh, and that's Apostle Barry Cook, who has all these all these interesting things to say, all of these historical things. And he's a doctor of this and this and this. I mean, the man is, is deep, but he is not deep in his own self. He is deep in understanding the things of God and he brings it forth. And unless you're willing to ask God to take you to the dimension or the level of where it is that his anointing has come from, you will miss it. So, Lower your pride and allow yourself to really hear some truth because we're going to still tell it like it is. I want to welcome my co-host, Apostle Barry Cook. <laughs> co-host. Thank you, Doc B. Um, I so, so appreciate back on again and being able to continue the message that we started last week on um, the the pattern in the Old Testament, one of the patterns in the Old Testament uh, for revival, and um, we have we talked to uh, spend a lot of time in the last one setting a frame for the fact that you know uh, Paul writing and saying you know the Old Testament was was there for our, our example, and um, talking about how we cut things out, like people say in Leviticus, well, all that is is laws that don't exist for today, but you throw one or two at me, I guarantee you there's spiritual insight in it. It's just we, like I say, we talk about, well, this person will be put to death or this person will be ca cast out, you know, uh, from the from the tribe and they'll have to sit outside for seven days. Maybe. Those are that's what happened in Old Testament. In the New Testament, it still matters. You when you're going through, you're acting up, you're being crazy, you you've harmed somebody or whatever. There's often a time that you feel detached from everybody. That's it's a normal happening. That was a a natural illustration of things that happened mentally, emotionally, um, spiritually to us. And I could get in more detail. We got in it last week. Encourage you to go back and get that program and um, and find it. And I want to continue this week because we we left off on revival when we got started talking about Samuel as an example. And we were just in the beginnings talking about how God is you know moving and raising up these new people that are understanding things much clearly because they've taken time to learn from the errors of the past and yet they're seekers. They're not just um, people that want to go into Christian business. <laughs> but they're seekers of heaven themselves. We talk about revivalists. You see, a revivalist is a Christian, really. Um, a revival is a group of Christians in the same room. I mean, that's all it is on its, on its base level. And, and so when people say, well, we don't need revivals or revivals aren't, it's, that's stupid because that means we don't need Christians living like Christians. Uh, you know, Lord Jesus. Anyway, we go round and round on this philosophically, but I understand, and I hope y'all see what I'm saying with that. But revivalist people that have on fire, they're alive in God. They carry revival. They create waves where they go. I mean, a preacher who is carrying a grace and an anointing 
they can go into a city preaching one church and five other churches preach about him on Sunday and don't even know what he preached about because something went out and they can feel the authority. They can feel the pull. Some of their people went over and got changed, got enlightened, and they're sitting there dead every single week. And they're going to shoot. But that's the difference in carrying and walking revived. That's why we don't need revival. I need it every day. I need it every second. I need it now. I took time before I got on here and just had a busy, busy morning. Yesterday was busy. I, I got just said, I got to stop and I need to just saturate, put on some good prophetic worship music and just begin to worship and pray and feel and, and reach until, you know, I'm like, oh, come on, Jesus, you know. That's my, that's, that's, that's my, that's my Jesus. Like them old folks use, that's my Jesus right there. He's mine too. And I used to say that to my grandmother. He's mine too. I know, honey. I know, but I'm celebrating him for me right now. I'm like, yes, ma'am. You know, because uh, he was personal, you know, somebody that's on fire, they carry with them a, a grace, a, an apostolic anointing. And see, see, we don't equate revival with being apostolic. But you have to understand that revival in nature, the word says first apostles. The word first is the word proton, means a positive charge. Boom, the positive, neutron, protons, make up. Anyway, um, positive charge in the matter because everything takes a positive and a negative. It takes a male and a female, or you can't recreate nothing. But anyway, you know, what is that? Put a put a hundred male and female on an island in uh, four hundred years, and what are you going to have? You know, or, or lock them out. What are you going to have in a hundred years? You're going to have a whole community. You put a whole you, just one sex on an island for for. I mean, they might dress up like whatever, but put them on an island in a hundred years, they're not going to be alive. I, I'm just saying. Anyway, we got to have more sense than this. We can't let um atheistic and demonic things capture our core beliefs. We still need to walk in love. It's like I say all the time, how you want to do it, that's your business, but I'm not going to give you this place in the, in the, in the system. I can't do it. But I don't mean I don't respect you, care for you, and think you need to be treated right. But all that other mess, you need to slow your roll, baby, because it has to be equal. That means I should be able to go enforce my Christianity on you, and if you complain, I can you know, kick you out. See, it doesn't work that way. So it's not, it ain't, it ain't equal. It mine's peaceful. Anyway, that's, <laughs> now I'm sorry. That's my one, you know, that's one of my, oh, social injustices like that. Just kill me. But anyway, Acts don't, 3 don't, don't even, don't even say that. What, what the name of this program is still telling it like it is. Right? Still telling it like it is. Well, I'm, I'm going to get head on to this text here in Acts 3.24. And likewise, all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and his successors onward also announce these days. Now, it may sound like an odd text, but see, the prophetic anointing was brought into a new level of function and maturing in and through the life of Samuel. And before the days of Samuel, the prophetic anointing was a patriarchal type. Uh, of anointing, which could only be transferred through the natural sonship and lineage from Abraham to Isaac and then to Jacob. Yet none of Jacob's sons move fully in the prophetic anointing, except for Joseph. Uh, we're, you know, well, I should say, 
Even after Joseph's death, the bones of Joseph were prophetically speaking to the people of Israel about their destiny and their inheritance. And I don't have time to go into it, but it's an interesting text. So then we read about Moses, and Moses touched a greater measure of the prophetic anointing. God took some of his spirit and placed it upon 70 other men. Some of it, not all of it, some of it. I'm sure they thought they were equal to because they had some of the same function, but that's where you got to understand you got that from the person. You didn't have that before you got around them. You know, now you got it operating in you. You don't got enough sense to recognize that they, you didn't have it before they got there. Yeah, but I have this and they don't have it. Right. We're individuals. We all differ in what we have, but what you learned, you were taught. Anyway, that gets me ticked too, but I got to keep going. You know, the 70 men prophesied and took a greater measure of leadership. Boom, boom, boom. It happened. It awakened something in them. It imparted something to them. It released something in their spirit that wasn't operative before. And the structural base of Moses' leadership expanded through this phenomenon. Boom, 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 boom. Now he was able to manage the people. <laughs> um, you know, just systems don't work. I mean, that's why people turn to manipulation. That's why the church... The church doesn't have, you know, they don't do reward systems and they don't pay no pay anybody, you know, which I'm not saying they should, but I'm saying, well, they should do reward systems regardless. But, you know, for faithful people, I mean, godly people you need to be recognized, especially the ones that toil for you, especially the ones by you still at home drinking coffee, dipping your, you know, donuts in your coffee, looking over your notes, you know, arriving right on time. And they've been there for three hours beforehand and you don't have anything good to say to them. Somebody need to sit you down. Anyway, ego again, you know. Um, then years later, God took some of Moses' spirit and he placed it upon Joshua and became a capable replacement for Moses. But if you remember, Joshua, he won. It won like, you know, people always say, and, and um, Moses mentored Joshua. That is how it reads. What, read the stories. Joshua wouldn't give up on that fool. He chased him around and he was rejected over and over and just kept coming. He tried to climb up the mountain after, after Moses went up and the people are like, what are you doing? He goes, I want to know what's going on up there. <laughs> you know, like there was something about him and God liked his spirit. That's why God liked Joe, uh, Jacob's spirit. It wasn't because he didn't have a little rascal in him. You know, he did have a little rascal in him, but God still liked it. That's why Saul and David both sinned. Their egos both got in the way, but David turned to the Lord, saw God. He was, he just felt terrible about what he did to God, to the people, to everything. I mean, it just wrecked him that he wrecked God. Saul's still making excuses up till the day died, blaming Whoa. people, blaming okay. people. Yeah. Elisha, uh, you said something that was so pregnant. What Here I'm it saying. is. Elisha ran after Elijah. Uh, you didn't mention it, but th that's another one. Yeah. You notice that all of these people, I, I'm just getting ready to teach on this, but you brought this thing forward to let me know something. Yeah. All of these people, all of these ministers, all of these disciples, all of these things, these people ran after 
they ran after this annoyance. They said, what's in you, I'm going to get. It wasn't that they had to go out and beg them to take it. I know. And 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 what you're saying is something that is, I mean, uh, uh, Jacob wrestled. He, he says, no, 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 no. You're going to give me some of this. That was you my point. That was my point exactly, and that's what I, I think I mentioned on the last show about Joshua's daughter. When it came time for her, she was like, wait a minute. You ain't just called my daddy's dad and all that kind of stuff. You know what's up, and you know it was what was owed me, and we going to fight, or you going to give it to me? And, um, you know, they, she got her land, but you <laughs> I'm just saying that's what it takes, it, you know, and, and you can sit around and make, you know, you, you people may, like I said, and, and here's the thing, technically reading and comparing Saul's sins with David, it looks like David's were worse. You know, it looks that way from what we have to read. But again, it wasn't about the degree of the sin. It was about the return of the person and heart to God. So that's where God didn't, you know, people say, well, we can say that there aren't different types of sin, but some are certainly where I get that. But when it comes down to it, God measures it by the depth of our heart and the remorse that we have, the clearing of ourselves is, you know, the fruits of repentance is listed in second Corinthians. You know, it goes down that list with clearing of yourselves. But I mean, you just indignation, like you're, you're upset with yourself that you did it and you want to make things right. You know, you I mean, you want to do, I'm going to kick some devils in the teeth for this. You know, I'm going to spend my days winning souls. That's how people, whatever, I'm going to be the most faithful man to my wife and I'm going to, I'm going to support our family and I'm going to make sure that every, all of us grow up in the things of God and nothing going to stop me. Something shifts you and that shift causes you to knock off stupid friends, to cut off old girlfriends or whatever, boy, whatever the issues are, that drive away. That's revival. You, that's leading to reformation. I don't want to hear again. I wish. I'm sure I will. But I, I really wish I wouldn't hear again. We don't need that. Because it just shows me how foolish and in, in their head some of the people are in the name of I'm spirit-filled and got the Holy Ghost. Because they say the stupidest things that the Holy Ghost wouldn't say. Anyway. <laughs> So this, this thing here, so you know, God moved on his people, and he moved on new leaders to continue to lead themselves into the next place. And and that's what was going on, um, even in this situation. You know, God was raising up, releasing dimensions of his spirit into new places. Besides Moses. There was nobody else whom God used to bring men into the prophetic dimension and add them on to the structural base of corporate leadership over Israel. This was not possible until the time of Samuel. Samuel's ministry marked the beginning of a whole new era of prophetic release and corporate anointing. And, and if I can, I'm going to talk about this for just a second. And I know we know it, but I just want to spend a minute on it. You know, it's threefold. We know he was a prophet, he was a priest, he was a king. That's old, as Methuselah, we've been hearing that forever, so on and so forth. But I want to talk about it a little differently. You know, he possessed these three anointings and successfully communicated them and imparted them to others. 
if you remember, you know, people would say, well, that was Old Testament. It only come. Samuel raised up prophetic centers, hubs all around that Elijah had 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 started way back. And they had been there, but kind of died down. He came on the scene and whoosh, he blew life in them. He revented, you know, renovated them. He, he, they were all full again. But that's the grace on somebody. That's not somebody sitting back and going, well, I just hope that the Lord would make things like it used to and things are such. That's cool, but you're not going to be the one like that. Because somebody that's sitting around will say, why not me? And maybe they'll go out and fail several times. But if it's really the spirit of the Lord, not their ego, because their ego is going to get hit, 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 hit. I mean, in ministry, that's just how it is. And and, and when you think you got it <laughs> crucified, God, God sends things to remind you that uh, you're going to keep. It's a daily thing, baby. You know, it's a daily. Take up that cross daily. As a prophet, God's divine oracles were continually given to Israel throughout Samuel. Uh, unlike the days of Eli, in 1 Samuel 3, 1, now the boy was ministering to the Lord before Eli, uh, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were infrequent. <laughs> there wasn't much revelation going on. In 1 Samuel 3, 19 through 20, it says, this, thus Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fail. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was confirmed as a prophet of the Lord. See, you know, I'm just saying he flowed, he moved, he understood the prophetic. And then as a priest, we see Samuel ministered. And uh, let me just say here, prophets can't pastor. If you're supposed to be a prophet, I mean, a, and a priest and a king, you're confusing me. You know, well, we're under the that Davidic anointing, and we're David operated in those as well. He had to, had to show bread in the temple. He, you know, all all kind of things. You know, it's like he did it because he knew his priestly role, and God didn't get mad at him because he knew his priestly role. I mean, in that story, the priests were warning him. You know, this is consecrated bread. You can't eat this bread. He's like, aren't we priests? And he said, well, that probably sounded so arrogant to that, but that was that prophetic. He knew, he knew his place in the Lord, you know, and as a priest, Samuel, see, he got it from Samuel, you know, as a priest, Samuel ministered to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. He continually offered sacrifices on behalf of God's people. You don't see a lot of the other prophets in the Bible operating as a priest when they were in between, the other ones, you don't hear about them. Or they went away and hid in a cave or whatever, you know, but but that that's why I like this. But his particular grace, he, when he wasn't, didn't have a word to prophesy, he went back to pastoring. Come on, somebody. Anyway, I'm just saying, you know, that's narrow-minded, stuck people. Unless they're, they're, unless they just need to recognize their grace isn't large enough to carry all three. That's a challenge because I know the people that would hear that would go, yes, it is. I'm like, well, then where is it then? Why you keep saying you can't pastor people or you're not a pastor? You just don't have that grace because you're a prophet. That's an excuse for a lack of character is what it is. I mean. When I walked in that office, I pastored a congregation. And that was when I started pastoring. I started releasing schools, Bible schools. Uh, real Bible schools, 
um, you know, Spanish speaking, but real Bible schools. Yeah. Uh, uh, different, different things. I was a prophet, but I operated in the office of a pastor also. And I, I met, you know, I did what it was because I kept seeing, I kept seeing there was this, there was this, this, this thing that kept drawing. And so, uh, no, you can't, you can't limit these things. Mm -mm. No, you really can't. And then as a judge, he ruled in both the natural and the spirit realm. Um, he kept the people under God's rule in spiritual subjection. And by that, I don't mean he physically commanded it. His anointing and his ministry had a causative effect upon the people. And the people wanted to serve God. And I, I'm not saying every single one of them. As a whole, they did. And, and they subjected spiritually to worship and to the things of the Lord and to the Spirit of God because of the influence of the leadership. And he also, this is something fascinating, that grace on his life also kept the enemies of Israel away from the borders of Israel. There's something. 1 Samuel 7, 13, it says, So the Philistines were sub subdued, and they did not come any more within the border of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines, listen to this, all the days of Samuel. It don't have to do with a man. Sure look like it does to me. Um, because you you take a preacher out of a out of a strong congregation and put put a jack leg in there that you think's ready and he'll destroy the church in six months. It doesn't just automatically fall. I mean, and if his heart hadn't been, hadn't been positioned correctly, you have to see people's spirit and you have to see their natural and you have to say, now position me Lord in the spirit to take the things I need to, so I can live in, you know, towards my future. I mean, you don't sit back and repeat anyway. I got to stop. He brought tremendous restoration to Israel. This is something else I love. Uh, the people returned to serve the Lord during his rulership. Like he, when he would send out a convocation, he didn't, have to, he didn't have to twist people's arm. They'd drop what they were doing. They would get, they, they'd leave what was happening. They arranged us. And I'm not, that's not a control tactic on me to maneuver people into being submitted to everything that every preacher says you need to do. Because most of the time they're just trying to, anyway, it's not really what they're doing for the Lord or anything else. It's just meetings and being seen in the public and money and different things that are just the underbelly of it all. But in first Samuel seven, three through four, then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel saying, if you return to the Lord with all your heart, all your heart. <laughs> Remove the foreign gods and the ashtoreths from among you and direct your hearts to the Lord and serve him alone. Then he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. <laughs> so the sons of Israel removed the Baals and the ashtoreths and served the Lord alone. The land was lost to the Philistines, was restored back during the time of Israel. So again, you say, yeah, well, I got up and told it. There is a difference. I mean, it's like in old anointings when guys would ride into town like Finney and they'll say, well, Finney was just such a hard preacher and that's why everybody and he preached legal and legalistic and all that. Okay, then how do you explain preceding him riding into town when he's 
gets within a certain uh, sphere of the town, which still nobody knows he's there. Nobody knows he's coming in those days. You didn't have, you know, different ways to check on people and all that. They weren't cell phoning each other. Hey, 20 miles out, seeing a few, you know, nothing, nothing like that going on. But the town would begin to fall under conviction. People would drop in the streets and begin crying and praying. And, you know, oh my God, I've been so bad. Oh my Lord, I need Jesus. And then, so honestly, he got there and preached the word of God. Probably didn't even matter what he said at that point. He just needed to say Jesus. But that's a preceding anointing that, that comes with, with uh, you know, we're talking about, you know, if we don't even have revival, <laughs> then, then reformation is going to be laws, precepts. I don't like when you do that. That bothers me. God's mad you for doing that. I tell you, you will never. There's judgment coming to America. We're looking all this stuff. Jesus, I feel wound up. That <laughs> made me want to preach. I need to slow down here. But 1 Samuel 7, 14, and the cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel from Ekron to Gath. 1 Samuel 7, 14. And Israel delivered their territory. <laughs> oh, deliver our territories, oh God, from the hand of the Philistines so that there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. See, if you kick back hard enough, your enemies start to look for ways to negotiate instead of crush you. Huh? Oh, you said that's right. Okay. So I'll probably only get to this point here before we close, but I just want to say it can be imparted to individuals. That's that's the thing about revival we need to see. And there's three or four things out of this story that I wanted to bring out, but I'll get this one. You know, it can be imparted to individuals. During his lifetime, Samuel anointed two men to be king over Israel. One was Saul. And the other was David. Saul was anointed with a flask of oil. There's an anointing <laughs> that does not cost. Mm. It doesn't cost us anything over our lives. Uh, me meaning, you know, the, it, it, it costs us. But when it comes, it comes. When God's ready to pour it, it's because you've been prepared. It's given for function and ministry. So now listen to this. Saul got the same anointing. He'd gotten anointed by Samuel before, but because of Saul's character, it didn't develop in him. It stayed at initial, it stayed at a functional level, a positional level, and not a spiritual level. It never dropped down to a prophet, priest, and king. I mean, he got he was king. But he ne God didn't let him in the other two realms, in the spirit realm. He didn't let him. He's over there trying to visit, you know, witches, trying to get a word from the Lord. And God, you know, he like, wait, dude, you know, what about, <laughs> you know, but he didn't... <laughs> anyway, praise the Lord. Hope you understand. Okay. Listen, listen, listen. I don't care what happens next week. You must continue this. I mean, you must continue this. I know that there'll be other things that will come up in your spirit, but this is oh, a must. 
we will continue this because we want to talk about the Sam, Samuel as a revivalist, Sam, the Samuel anointing, the Samuel uh, uh, reviving, because I believe apostle, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers that we need to start to walk in this because we got apostles and prophets and people being so immature and they are walking in the pride and walking in no humility and all of this. And so this is important. And this is something that was said then. And so we're going to still be telling it like it is. This is Apostle Baker and Apostle Cook saying thank you for allowing us to come into your space. And we will see you next week. Same time, same station here. Still telling it like it is. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Kingdom First TV, your station for kingdom inspiration.